welcome back. My name is Max McCoy, and you're listening to the Mind Body Hoops podcast. But I don't have to tell you that. You know the vibe. We're talking to people that are going to help us with all things mind, body, performance, spirit, anything, because all that shit's connected. Like, you can't be a top performer in anything you're wanting to do. Anything you want to accomplish is going to require us to have, you know, a top performing mind, a top performing body. Um, and the skill set, of course, it's all connected, and that's what the podcast is about. I don't have to remind you that. For this episode, I'm throwing it back. I'm I'm re-releasing the second interview I did for this podcast um, for a couple reasons. One, because at that time I didn't really have an audience. But two, the more important reason is because like this is one of my favorite talks ever um, with a dude who I absolutely admire and love and all the work he does. His name is Eric Godsey. And so we did this interview, and again, it was only my second interview I had done. And so as amazing as it was, I didn't feel like it got the listens that it should have. So what I've done is kind of retouched it. Uh, I shortened it by about 20 minutes, so it's just the good stuff. Uh, And I just want to repost this amazing talk I had with an amazing dude. So Eric Godsey, in his own words, is uh, trying to understand human nature. He is absolutely a scholar, man. Like, this guy knows so much about the mind, and for the most part, he's self-taught, which I just admire so much. It shows that he comes from a place that's so genuine because he's so drawn to this information. And as he says in the podcast, he's like a hunter, and he goes out and hunts this information out, whether in books or conversations or whatever, and he basically brings it back to his tribe, as he says. So he brings an intensity to, like, his intellectual work, which is amazing. Um, He has taught me through his podcast, through his writing, so much about the mind, and then this conversation has really impacted me since this conversation. uh, He recommends a few books, and two of them I ended up reading. They absolutely changed my life, and I did some of the exercises he mentioned in this podcast. Those changed my life. So the ability to, like, just repost this podcast and just, like, retouch on this, because not only was it such a cool talk for me, but it actually really impacted my life. Now, Eric has a podcast of his own called The Myths That Make Us Podcast, where he analyzes people's, like, stories they tell themselves and basically how the stories we tell ourselves kind of dictate where we're going to move in the future because a lot of us are addicted to a a particular set of stories and beliefs about ourselves. And he analyzes that. He breaks that down in his podcast. He also breaks down people's dreams and what they're telling them uh, in regards to their subconscious beliefs. Man, this guy, Eric Godsey, is going to be a huge player in this space for a very long time that's all I gotta say so I was so humbled to have him on my podcast let alone for the second interview I ever did Uh, and so I had to redrop this podcast again check this dude Eric out enjoy this podcast and if you're like me and if you're willing to do anything it takes to become the best version of yourself um, this is a huge episode and we talk about things like journaling meditation um, confronting self-limiting beliefs all this good shit breaking bad habits the whole works just enjoy it one of my favorite podcasts ever eric is a fucking wizard man he is uh he's gonna do some amazing things in this world and i was humbled to be able to talk to him enjoy this conversation a throwback thursday episode with eric Gotzi. i started this basketball platform um one, because I transitioned out, basketball was my life, my whole life, I played up into the college year, and like you, I had an injury, and from there, it kind of just, like, I realized, oh, wait, I might not, like, go professional, and I stepped away from the game and kind of found different interests, but it was out of that transition that I started to kind of have this lull, and and you've talked about when you change your goals that you can kind of lose your your identity and yourself, and so through that, I've kind of realized, like, okay, there's 
there's something missing here. This basketball has taught me so much, but it didn't teach me enough about how to be a human or, or how to find happiness or how to deal with things like mental, mental health issues. So one, I wondered if you could talk to me a little bit about this idea of like, when you have a goal, you identify your goal. And then when you switch that goal and what that can do to us. Yeah. So this is uh, probably one of the deepest ideas period. And it's that every human has a story about who they think they are and what they think the world is. And the core piece of that story is there's a goal. Like if you look at any story, it's basically in the structure of a hero's journey. And there is a goal or something that the hero is seeking out. And every single human on this planet, in order for you to even navigate, in order for you to even want a thing, in order for you to even move your body towards a thing, you have to have goals. And there's, there's a hierarchy of goals within you that you're probably unconscious to. And this is kind of getting in the weeds, but I won't get too far, is that if you don't create a goal for yourself, you are born with biological goals to basically fuck and fight. And so if you don't create goals on top of that, those primal drives are going to rule your life and you probably won't be very successful in this culture. But anyone who has a goal beyond what their genes have programmed into them, that's their hero story. And it's going to, this is a technical point and you can, anyone interested in this, I would recommend read Maps of Meaning by Jordan Peterson. He probably lays out the best of anyone I know, the uh, psychophysiology of having a goal and like how it, it, it actually calibrates your emotional system. So anyways, whatever your top goal is, if something happens to you where that goal then becomes impossible, like for you and me, it was, we're going to be NBA players. And then reality punches our body in the face at some point in our life. And we have to really come face to face with the fact that my highest goal, which in a psychological sense is your God, and that's a deeper point that might take more time to dig into. But your highest goal, it's, it's what calibrates your entire identity and all your emotions. And when that thing dies, you go into the abyss. Like you have the dark night of the soul. You experience depression or a deep, deep, like, emptiness. But what's amazing is that the human spirit seems to fucking be infinitely transformable. And you and I are both testaments to our God died. Our highest goal died. Our identity cracked. But, you know, you give us enough time and we found a new one. I, w- I wonder when I hear that, is there things we can do or habits we can put in place that we can have these goals and work towards them? But in life, you know, goals are going to change. Is there a way to kind of minimize the suffering that comes from changing goals? Or is that kind of inevitable in the process of changing goals? Like, is there, are, are there things we can do to have our foundation be a little bit stronger so that when we do pivot, that we're, we're not hitting that, that lull of depression or, you know, hopelessness or whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. So th- this is a great question. There's a couple of ways to come at this. Uh, one thing I want to touch on is I would not try to minimize the amount of pain solely just to minimize the amount of pain. Because what I've recognized in my life is whenever I have an acute experience where I come face to face with like a very powerfully non-positive emotion, my life, the next six months after that always seemed to be like full of gifts and miracles and amazing 
opportunities because I faced something really, really, really hard. So I think as just a meta strategy for life, like that's a story I tell myself. It's like if I'm if I face really tough shit, my life actually gets better. So that's one thing that I would offer. But I think to answer your question, I actually just heard Mark Manson talk about this on Aubrey's podcast. It's coming out on Wednesday. So I got the sneak peek so I can drop a bomb for you guys. But <laughs> Uh, the next book he's working on, one of the main ideas is this idea of what's called a God value. And it's basically it's your highest value. And what most of us do, I am guilty of this or was, is the highest goal for most of us is a concrete, like I want to achieve X. Like I want X amount of money or I want this type of car or I want this business to do this. But what he was saying that the Greeks did, which I intuitively started doing this with the new pyramid I made and you can check it out on the Instagram highlight story. And it's that your highest piece of that pyramid should be a principle or a value. So like truth or love or bravery or honesty or humility. And if that's your highest goal, you can do that every day, no matter what. So you can have concrete goals below that, like run a successful business, have a family, make $10 million. But the highest goal is a, is a way of being every day. Mm-hmm. So like my highest goal is to be in love and to be in truth with my experience and with the people that I see every day. And so all my projects can fail, but I still have the chance every day to be in love and to be in truth. And so I think that minimizes that catastrophe when the highest ideal in your hierarchy of values become something that's unattainable. And that resonates with me, man. Like trying to, as I get older, realize that it's about the, and this is something that's all like in theory for me still is to enjoy the climb and the process and who I become out of it rather than like that end result. I think a great example of this is Alan Watts has a story and it's like, you know, the way people approach life, if you looked at it, like the way a musician would approach a song is people approach life like the thing that's important is the end and not the experience. And so if you think about a musician, if that's how a musician musician thought about a song, every song would only be the last note. They would just play the last note and it would be over. Mm. And when you take a step back and look at it like that, it's like, yeah, duh. Life is a motherfucking song. It's, It's here to be enjoyed as it's happening. It's here to dance to and to sing to and to move to. It's not about the end because the end it's over, you know, like no symphony is just the smashing of the symbol at the end of the song. You know, it's all of the thing in between. And what are some ways that you kind of remind yourself that? So maybe as you were going through that process of, you know, grinding it out as a habit coach or as the process yeah. of you being a basketball player, like what, what I know if, you're human too. So at times it's hard to remind yourself like, Hey, this is part of the process. This pain's part of the process. What, sure. are the, what are some of the ways you do to remind yourself that? So I've got, you know, because I'm utterly human, I have to have a whole bunch of tools and here's like my top four or five favorite. One is I meditate a lot. I do Vipassana. Um, I try to do it every day. It is one of my foundations. One of them is journaling. Again, that's a motherfucking foundation. Like I just try to every day take a moment to write what's happening in my mind 
I'll try to write out what I'm grateful for. The third one is I'm addicted to being in flow. So like I will set up my life in a way where I can get flow and I can get flow playing basketball. I can get flow reading, talking, podcasting. A fourth one is just to fucking be present and sweet with the people in my life that I love. Like just, just to sit down and just fucking make eye contact and really slow down and just be there for someone I care about. Man, all those points are like, like my staples. So like, this is just another one of the reasons I connect to you so hardcore is that you push these things that maybe I don't think are talked about as much. Uh, but they are, I mean, they are talked about, but they're such staples for me. So I want to talk about them all individually if we can, but I look back and as I develop these practices of meditation and journaling, like I can't help but wonder like, had I, how better I could have been, had I been a little more self-aware as an athlete, a little more rounded yeah. as an athlete, a little more in depth Same. of meditation. So, um, is there things you wish you could tell yourself as an athlete or all the things you're learning as you go kind of things, I guess not what you wish you knew, but like little hints you would have gave yourself back then. Yeah. See, this is a curious question because I for sure have so many things that if I could go back to my like 13 year old self and just fucking shake him and teach him, I could teach him about diet, about weight training, about <laughs> stretching, about exactly. how to do drills. But like, I've really thought about this. Like if I hadn't have had my shoulder ripped out of its socket when I was 17. I would likely have a child with a woman I do not know how to talk to that I'm not taking care of. And I'm still chasing some basketball dream overseas where I don't get paid much money. And I never developed my, I never humbled my ego. I maybe would have not ever have tried psychedelics because I didn't want to lose whatever job I had with whatever organization I was playing for and the human that exists now that I think is going to do so much more good for so many more people would have not have been born because I would have been able to stay inside of my ego game of chasing, you know, like the best I could have probably have been would have been like a bench player on a European team. That would have been the end of this life for me, or at least like, who I am now, I think, is of more service to a greater percentage of humanity than who I would have been if my body had stayed together and I would have been able to chase my ego dream. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's a no, not a think. Like, absolutely, 100, 100% right. that's the case. And I'm in the same way. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not so much like what we wish we could have told ourselves, but for me, at least, like with my pl Mind Body Hoops platform, it's not so mm, much what, it's not so much what I wish I would have known. It's almost like... What can you teach the kids now? Yeah, what can I teach the kids now having been For through sure. having been through it and then feeling like those are the things that I was definitely in a way striving for that never I received. Is that kind of like do you feel like you sure. do you feel like you're gravitating towards things and teaching things that you you lacked incredibly before? This is a great point. I just did a podcast with Corey Allen for his podcast that's going to come out soon where we talked about all the people who are online in any type of way, who are getting any type of exposure, who are offering any type of advice, they are becoming the person that they needed when they were wounded and they're offering the medicine that they needed for that wound. Exactly. And so, yeah, like everything that I put out is what the 19 year old me needed when he was trying to fucking figure out what to do with his life now that his God had died. And his God was his ego 
trying to dunk on people and shoot threes when he was really a post player, but he was not ever tall enough to be a great post player. So, you know, that motherfucker had to die. And that is what I think anyone who is genuinely sharing any type of advice online, who's doing it in any type of authentic way where they're getting people's eyeballs is they became who they needed when they were in the part of their life when they were wounded. That's so true. And that, that you, you word it perfectly. Like everything I'm doing is more so it's not even teaching people about what I was even the best at back then. Like I'll, I'll sprinkle on some of the basketball stuff that I was really good at back then, but a lot of it's what I wish I knew or what I needed back then. So, and that first yeah. thing being meditation, like meditation was my 100%. meditation was my first like habit and discipline that I adopted around 19 years old that it took some time to develop. But once it did, I was like, Holy shit. Like, this is, this is what I needed. This, I wish I had this looking back. And so that was kind of that first staple. So for you, um, how was that process from not meditating into meditating? You know, what's funny, man, is what has allowed me at least with, at least when it came to meditation is I, I read like 10 books on how to do it and why it's good to do it. But then I got the headspace app and I used that for a while and that kind of helped me get the, grounding of the practice but then i read um like two or three books that really really fucking exposed to me that this is a core practice that i need to do the rest of my life and i just started doing it like it's weird but i just at least for me i will flirt with an idea for years and then i don't quite yet know what the clicking moment is but i'll have a click moment and i'll just start doing it yeah. And for me, it was, it took a couple of years. Like I would do it here and there, two days in a row, five days off, two days in a row. And for me too, it wasn't until, uh, I hopped on the Headspace app and I actually had to do like their free trials, like 10 days, 10 minutes that the habit actually clicked. It was like, after I forced myself to do 10 days straight, it clicked. But what can you say? I just want to hear in your, your words and your ability to articulate it. Like what have you gotten out of the meditation in this past year? And how do you think it can help wow. people go? I, I know it's, it's a huge question yeah, to tackle, man. Yeah. but like for someone who like, I'm, I'm deep yeah, into man. it and it's hard to connect to it. But for someone who's kind of seen it from afar saying like, I think it could help. I know I should do it. What's that? What's that benefit of really just diving headfirst into it? Yeah. Okay. So this is, I made that sound because it's incredibly hard to, it's impossible to oversell how important it is, but I'll try to, I'll give it my best. Okay. Mm-hmm. Every single human on this planet, the foundation of their life is their experience. It's their witnessing of whatever is arising in their field of experience in every moment. The way you witness is something that you can actually hone. Like, and you can do it with and when you meditate. What you don't realize, especially if you haven't done either a deep psychedelic trip or you haven't try to meditate is that there is a thing running in your consciousness all the time where you are judging everything and you're not even aware that you're doing it, but it's happening every fucking second. You're you're judging your experience and your style of judgment. It, it, it creates a flavor of your experience all the time. And so if your mom was anxious and your dad was judgmental, you have this 
coagulated voice inside of you that you're not even aware of that's constantly trying to find why things are scary and why they're not as good as they could be. And that thing is just churning in the background all fucking day for 10 years. And when you start to meditate, you will realize like this is it's only people who meditate can really connect to how insane they are because people who don't meditate think that they can go even four seconds and not have a thought. Like they think that if they just try hard that they can sit down and not have a thought. But if you start meditating, you realize I can't even go four seconds without my mind creating without my will, a thought or a judgment or a sensation or a feeling. And then a judgment about the sensation and the feeling. And the more you meditate, it's like your ability to witness the insanity of your mind and maybe insanity is the wrong word, but the storytelling function of your mind, like it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that stage one is you become aware of the fact that you're just weaving the story all day. But then the step beyond that, that, you know, having five grams of mushrooms really helps you connect with, but you can also connect to it if you begin to meditate. And it's that you are not, you don't have to identify with the judgments. You aren't the thoughts. You are actually this thing that is witnessing all of this. And that thing that witnesses all the thoughts and all the feelings is never actually sad or hurt or even happy or afraid. It's this constant, steady, like light that is invincible until your meat suit dies, but it seems to be invincible. So for people who may not have experientially felt this, it's like your conscious mind is like a person going to the movies. They're in the movie theater. They have their popcorn and their soda and they're watching a movie and they're fucking judging the movie. They either think it's bullshit or they think it's great. They're laughing they're crying. They're making fun of it. The person in the seat judging is your internal critic. It's, it's this thing that's weaving a judgment story about your experience. The screen where the movie is happening, that's your experience. That's like what's happening in the room that you're in right now or the car that you're in right now. But there's a projector in the back of the room. It has electricity flowing through it that's constantly emitting the light. And when you meditate, you can recognize that you're not just the judge you're also the screen but you're also the projector and when you can connect to that experientially like i still feel fear i still feel anger i still feel guilt and sadness and all that shit but like i i can just connect to the fact that okay i'm a conscious thing inside of a meat suit that has been programmed by evolution to feel emotions in response to what it thinks are dangers or threats. And I can just sit and I'll feel my heart rate fucking start just fucking pounding. I feel my gut clench up, but I don't add more story to it. Mm. I just witness it. And so I think the two big things that I've gotten from it so far is the awareness of the storyteller and then the ability to identify with the light or consciousness or awareness that witnesses my experience. Absolutely. And for me, I didn't realize how like, 
like you said, that awareness starts. So I started meditating and it was like, holy shit, I can't meditate. I, there's no way I could do this. My, I have too many thoughts. I, nobody's like me. Like everything in my world, <laughs> everything yeah. with my world, everything in my day was, was paired with like a, a dialogue, like an internal voice telling me like, this is happening. This is ha-. And then through meditation, it was that initial awareness to realize like how chaotic my mind is. But what I want people to know is that first stage of chaos of realizing like, holy step, crap, I can't stop myself from thinking is definitely like that first step into awareness. And for me, had I known that a little earlier, I think I would have had a little more help with the consistency side of it because I really did think like, this just isn't for me because I can't turn my mind off. There's no turning my mind off. Um, but in that practice, I became to become aware of how chaotic my mind was. And then, like you said, like having that space to have something happen and you still get fearful or anxious or whatever, but you have that space or that choice to be like, am I going to add anything to this? Do I have to really fuel into this? And for like my basketball audience, if like a ref calls a shitty fucking call, you have, and if you have a a nice meditation practice, you kind of have that space to be like, am I going to let this affect my mentality throughout the rest of the game? Or will I just let this pass? So for me, meditation is like literally the staple of my diet, having that space and that inter inter dialogue is just, is so crucial. I want to hop over. Yeah. To, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go on. So just two quick things for anyone listening. If you, if you play basketball, like read Phil Jackson's book about the bulls, the thing that set the, the greatest team arguably of all time apart from all the other teams is he had these motherfuckers meditate. It's not talked about enough. Like, Phil Jackson had the greatest basketball team of all time. As one of their core practices, they fucking meditated. And the, the, the point of it was, like, people who play a sport, they really, most of them, think that the sport is the most important thing in their life. And so it can really rattle them if their performance is not up to what they think it should be. But if you kind of cultivate, like, dude, we are monkeys on a planet. This game is fun. Yeah. And it can pay my bills. And it can take care of my family potentially, but I am a monkey trying. If I miss this shot, like, fuck it. So what, you know, like I'm going to give it my best attempt next time. So I think that that's just a good thing for you to share with your audience as much as you can is Phil Jackson used meditation with the greatest basketball player and the greatest team ever to play. And then the other thing is there's this weird misconception about what it means to meditate. And it's not to not think. Like, if you go in the gym and you do a rep with some weight, the rep when you meditate is the moment you realize that your thought has wandered and you bring it back to your breath. And so that completely shifts the perspective to bring to it is you actually are succeeding when you notice your thoughts have gone away from your point of focus. Like that's actually when you just did the rep with the weight and then you non-judgmentally bring it back to your point of awareness, which for most people is the breath. So it's not to not think it's to notice when you're, when you have strayed and then to bring it back. Yeah. It's so true. It's just that awareness. I, I think I, I tend to use the not thinking as a, as a way to say like calm the chatter, but definitely it's not thinking it's choosing when to think and when to not and yeah, Phil Jackson killed it with the Bulls, and I, the Bulls are just just before my era. So the Phil Jackson did it with the Lakers, my, like my team with the Kobe and Shaq era. He did the same thing, and Kobe's a big meditator. So it's just like 
definitely a point I try to get across is that it's in a perf- not only is it like a going to help your life as a human, but it's a performance enhancing habit. And so 100%. people like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant are now like in the modern is like Kyrie Irving talk about how meditation is so big for them. It's just like, I try to use that as a way to channel it into people's lives. Um, Absolutely. Let's hop over to journaling, man, dude, journaling. I've never really seen someone push journaling as hard as you do. And <laughs> <laughs> for me, dude, journaling is like, another thing where I'm like, holy crap, these, this is what's going on in my mind. So for me, I just literally sit down. It started with like writing down my goals, but I couldn't stick with that for very long. So I started just writing and writing and writing and, uh, and it ended up just word vomiting onto pages. So how have you developed your, your journaling process and how do you think it can benefit a human and a basketball player or anybody trying to perform at their best? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm fucking big on it because my core, like one of the core things I'm trying to connect people to is that ultimately when you get to a certain point in your self-development, you just need a relationship with your soul or your inner, whatever you want to call it. And that thing will guide you through almost any question that, that can't be answered by Google. So Google can help you answer like how far away is X from Y. But when it comes to how should I talk to my mom about this situation, that's not a Googleable answer. That's a fucking journal and talk to your soul answer. And so, okay, the first piece of this is there's a body of literature in psychology over what's called expressive writing. And basically what they have found, they've done over 100 studies, and they find that when you write basically in a stream of consciousness way, specifically about things that you're afraid to articulate out loud, like every single person listening to this right now has a fucking plethora of things that they're ashamed or afraid or guilty to say out loud, either to anyone or to one specific person. And if you journal in an expressive writing type of way, which just means no censoring, just being as honest as you can, you're processing stuff in your psyche a metaphor to use is like every single thing in your mind that you haven't solved that keeps coming up in your mind like if a conversation with a friend keeps coming up or a memory from four years ago keeps coming up a really good marker is that when you're going to bed at night if stuff from your past constantly pops up you have open windows on the desktop of your mind and if you write about it with the goal of understanding it in the context of a story, for whatever reason, the brain wants to understand it as a story with a beginning and an end. And if you can do that through writing, it's like your brain closes that browser on your window or on your mind. And like, if you have trouble sleeping, that's going to affect every part of your athletic performance. One of the best ways to really deal with that is to write. It's not to take sleeping pills. It's not to fucking stay up all night and watch Netflix in your bed until you pass out with the TV on and the light on. Those aren't helping you. Writing is. And then to kind of shift away from that, I have this weird idea that the human I could be, like my highest potential is my God. It's the thing that I sacrifice who I am to. It's the thing that judges me because on some level, who I could be is in my mind right now watching me. And that thing, I tell myself the story wants to help me become him because he wants to be in the world. 
And so he's going to talk to me through my intuition. Mm -hmm. And so when I journal, I believe that I have this almost godlike entity who is my fucking ally who wants to help me solve my problems. And I talk to him. And because I, because I tell myself the story that he already knows my bullshit, I can just be honest. And so like, if I have something going on in a relationship or something going on at work or something going on with how I think about myself, I will just be honest on the page. And there's a weird thing that happens, man, is, and you can get this from praying too. Like I'm not religious in any type of way that connects to any specific religion, Mm -hmm. but prayer is magic. And what I mean by that is anyone listening, if you get on your knees tonight when you're about to go to bed and you genuinely ask, what is the one thing that I know I need to do tomorrow that I've been avoiding the last week? You will instant, like within a second, your brain will give you a thing. And it's like, if, you, if you're brave enough and humble enough to, to want to know and to listen, we have this thing inside of us that wants to help us. And I think journaling is the most, it's the most consistent way I have found to connect to that thing. And I truly think that the success that I've had in my life the last year and a half has been basically my ability to hear that thing and then to do what that thing asks. And so that's why I'm so big on journaling. I love that you connected it to like that higher self or that version of that person you could be, because that's something I feel like it's taught me is like, I'm like, holy shit, who is coming through this pen right now? It's like unleashing so much things that I knew were there kind of, but I didn't want to put light on. And then the prayer too, like I have a friend that says he prays in the car. And so I tried this thing where if I'm driving and if, if I need to just let some shit out and I don't have the, the space to journal, I'll just ask or, you know, just speak in this like weird, like, mental just releasing verbiage type of way it's insane of the the type of shit that comes through and for me looking back I definitely had this sense of like okay I know who I want to be and I can almost feel myself not doing what I need to be did you ever have like this is a selfish question did you ever have these instances of like because you have such high expectations for yourself did you ever have trouble with like your self-talk and like making sure you were kind to yourself in those times where you know you weren't doing what you needed to do um, like making steps, but maybe being like, you could be doing more, you could be doing more. Did you ever struggle with the fact that you just were never doing enough? I have a weird, so my internal talk, at least the last like two years, I've really honed it down. And it's more so like, okay, my internal talk is not ever really mean to myself because I have such a huge fucking ego. Like I had such a big ego as a kid mm-hmm. that my internal talk is actually fear that something might that bad things might happen to me. Mm. And so my, my constant stance is I have to talk to myself to get myself to do things. So my big thing is fear. My big thing is not like I mean to myself. Basically one way to think about aggression is that if you don't feel like you have a way to hone it or to harness it outside of yourself, you produce it inward and you're aggressive to yourself. Mm. I don't have that issue. My aggression is focused every day in my writing and my reading. Like I really kind of think of reading like I'm hunting, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a fucking hunter and I'm trying to find the deer to bring back to my, you know, village. Mm-hmm. And so I bring an aggressive energy to the way I do my, to my intellectual work. So I don't really have it internally. My big thing is trying to get my 
scared, weak, neurotic ass to actually do shit. Um, but what I would offer to people who have that internal aggression, because really what it is, is it's aggression. You're, you're fucking being um, violent to yourself. Is I would offer like find skills that allow you to let your aggression out in a way that you're comfortable with outside of yourself. Cause like Joe Rogan is a good example of this. He, he has a tendency. It seems to want to be violent to himself internally. So what he does, he fucking works his ass to the bone. Like he'll fucking, he, you know, he says he's conquering his inner bitch. So a really practical thing is to drill and train until that thing just kind of gets quiet. But also recognize that if you're doing that to yourself, that's probably mom or dad's voice. And that's something that you're going to need to face because it's not healthy fuel. It's something that's going to be like, here's a great example. Give that voice a name. You, you could call it Aries or you could call it fire or you could call it whatever weird name you want to give it. And then talk to it in your journal, like write out his name, Aries, and then say what Aries is saying to you. Like, uh, I fucking hate how weak you are and how you don't stay focused. And then you can respond to Aries and say, I hear you. And I too want to, you know, be in focus, but the way that you are doing this is not helpful. Like the way to think about this is from a psychological standpoint, we are disintegrated humans. And so we have like dozens of types of us inside of our mind. And the way that I think about it is like, it's like a kingdom and there's a whole bunch of people in the king's court. And you want to identify all the types of people in your psychic court. You, you want to give them names, but you want to be the motherfucking king. So hear what they have to say and then find compromises. Don't just try to ignore them and don't let them run the fucking kingdom. You know, look yeah. at them in the eye. A, a quote that I love is one of my favorite quotes, man. And it's what the lady of the lake said to King Arthur. And she said, the difference between a man and a king is that a king doesn't look away. So if you've got dark parts of your psyche that are trying to say shit or trying to control shit, as the king part of you, look at it, address it, talk to it, and find a compromise. That I, I genuinely appreciate that advice, man. Like naming it, journaling it, that's such a good way to handle, I think, any negative self-talk aspect of any of us is to put a label on it, name it, and then attack it with journaling. And and the journaling, again, can just be such a, a versatile exercise. So for me, it started with writing down like goals and just letting that become free flow consciousness writing. What do you think is the best way for someone to get introduced to writing? Like, do they write about their days? Is there any any advice you give to someone when they first start out to say, hey, here's what you should do with a pen and paper? Or do you kind of just leave it open? Yeah. So a thing I want to touch on before uh, I get into that is totally I would offer don't think about it as attacking it understand that it's some type of adaptation that your psyche learned when you were a kid to protect yourself. And so from a psychological standpoint, what you want to do is to be able to see it and hug it, but then tell it no. So I, it's, it's, it is subtle, but I think it's important because like how we think about things, mm. it reflects the type of dreams we have. And there's a thing in Jungian psychology called a shadow dream where it's basically you fighting, 
you know, some other entity in the dream, but it's actually a representation of a piece of yourself. But the way that you, when people cure a part of their problem, they then have dreams where instead of them fighting this character over and over again, they actually hug the character or they kiss the character or they, you know, they somehow breach an alliance with the character and the character turns into like a child or turns into a small animal, Mm. which represents like, this was a function of you that has not been taken care of. So that's a side thing that I would offer. Well, first of all, that's like, I needed to hear that because for me, there's certain habits in my life and just certain traits that I've felt like, okay, if I could just conquer this and fight this and get over this, then I could be, you know, I feel like I'm moving towards my full potential, but I still feel like there's these little hindrances. And so it's definitely had that mentality of like, I need to kill this thing. I need to, that is not a part of me. Like I need to kill it. And so what you're saying definitely hits home. And you're basically saying that that is a part of me that just needs more light. And I need to treat it with like compassion and love and like fully understand it before I can get through it. Yeah. Cause a piece, whatever that thing is, is a thing that you learned at some point in your childhood that was trying to protect you from pain, like period, like whatever the habit is, it was a coping mechanism that you learned on some part of your path to help you either not feel pain or to find pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it's just that simple, but it's, it's like a crude one eyed creature. Like it was helpful when you weren't a king, but now a part of you has that king energy and it can help reshape it. Mm, absolutely. And so what you recommend for me and for anybody who has something similar is to, to journal and get clear about it, show compassion to it, but then draw the line with it. Absolutely. And where I got this skill from is a book called King, Magician, Warrior, Lover. I would recommend that to everyone, especially if you're a dude. This book is written in a Jungian perspective about the four major archetypes in every man's psyche. I do think it's helpful for anyone who reads it, but specifically if you're a dude, this is a really great book to kind of understand what's going on in your mind. Mm. But to answer the journaling question, what I would offer. So ideally I would like to make a course one day that answers this question. Cause I keep getting this question. I, I don't know how to answer it in you know, a minute. Yeah. And the best advice that I would give is get the book, the artist's way and then genuinely do it. Like you're trying to create a bridge to your God. Mm. Yeah, I just ordered the artist way because I've heard you talk about it on multiple occasions. So I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm stoked to read it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. Uh, I think I've heard it from other like uh, authors and refer back to it. It's not morning pages of just like kind of unloading your brain to start and getting clear. Yeah, on. it's like first thing in the morning, three pages. Write. Don't censor anything. Don't stop. Don't judge. Just fucking let it out, and do it every day. Like I, I. I really think the reason it changed my life is I fucking did it every day. I don't even understand why I was doing it. Like it was such a big deal, but I fucking was doing it every day for like three months. And then what I did, and I think this is super important and I don't think she talks about it in the book is that after I did it for 12 weeks, I went to the library, got a bunch of coffee and then I reread all of it. And I got to see how I tell my story of my life to myself. And it was before I started to meditate, but it just made it so viscerally clear, like, holy shit, I'm, I'm telling myself a story about life every day. And I, I saw the pieces where like, okay, I want to change the way I tell it here. I want to keep doing this. 
and it just it it made me sweeter and softer to myself. Hope you enjoyed that one, people. I absolutely enjoyed that podcast. Um, and like I said before the episode, if you liked well, if you liked this podcast, check out Eric's podcast, The Myths That Make Us Podcast. He brings people on. He breaks down their stories. He gets to the bottom of why they believe what they believe, how they act, why they act, why they act. Uh, he breaks down people's dreams and how they can be reflexive of the subconscious beliefs they have. Dude, it's so powerful. He brings people to tears like almost every podcast because he's such a talented. Uh, he basically puts up a mirror to people's like lives and their beliefs and the way the, the way they that the way their mind works. Uh, and really, like his podcast, you get to see this dude is so talented at helping people and analyzing people's psyches. It's amazing. It's an amazing gift that he has, and uh, I love the podcast. It's my favorite podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. That's a that's a bold title, labeling anything as my favorite, but I'd say it's like my top four right now. I listen to that podcast a lot. So check it out. Uh, thanks again to Eric for lending his wisdom, and love you people. I'm going to eat some almond butter right now and shut my mouth. See you on the next... Oh, we got some dope episodes coming. We got guests coming and then some solo episodes coming where I'm answering you guys' questions again. Uh, a lot of people have been asking for that to return because I used to do that in my older format. So look out for a couple of those uh, and a lot of cool shit as always. Thanks for listening, people. Love you. Bye.